0: Welcome to Art of the Score, the podcast that explores, demystifies, and celebrates some of the greatest soundtracks of all time from the world of film, TV, and video games. I'm Andrew Poxon. and in each episode we'll be joined by Daniel Golding and Nicholas Buck as we check out a soundtrack we love, break down its main themes, explore what makes the score tick, and hopefully impart our love of the world of soundtracks. In episode 31 we swoop into a new year with the 2010 DreamWorks hit How to Train Your Dragon based on a book of the same name by Cressida Cowell directed by Chris Sanders and Dean bla with music by the wonderful John Powell. In 2020 the film celebrates its double digits birthday so what better time to reignite your furious analysis that's Ignite your furious, get it? It's night fury. Hey, just because I'm indoor, folks, doesn't mean I forgot how to have pun. And joining me from his isolated hut overlooking the sea is composer, arranger, orchestrator, conductor, and although he can't claim any specific Viking ancestry, he does claim to have a half-dragon aunt, twice removed on his mother's side. So I guess that qualifies him to talk about this film. It's Nicholas Buck. How are you doing, Nick? I'm doing
1: wonderful, gents. How would you know about my dragon lady aunt? She was in fact the first dragon lady ever to uh, to be in existence. But uh, we'll be exploring <laughs> lots of different types of dragons uh, on this episode, and I'm very much looking forward to John Powell's amazing score.
0: I'm glad you brought it back around. And speaking of round, rounding out our trio of dragon fanciers is a critic. He's a university lecturer, a writer, ABC radio host, and Nick, when completing BuzzFeed's quiz on which how to train your dragon dragon are you? He didn't want anyone to know he got the Gronkle. (laughs) Did you know that? But don't worry, his secret's safe with us. So folks, without any further ado, please welcome resident Gronkle, it's Dan Golding. Grunkle doing, and Dan? proud. Grunkle and
2: proud. This is—it's—it's uh, uh, it's good to be back. Uh, it is I good think, to be back. Yeah, this is this is such a wonderful score that I, I really admire, and the more that I hear it, the more that I love it. So, it's going to be a lot of fun, I think,
0: to break this down. Absolutely. Now, um, we are back, uh, brand new for um, uh, uh, 2020. We took a little bit of a hiatus. Um, some things happened in the world. And um, <laughs> now here we are in our, in our isolation. Mm. Uh, but I can see all of your faces, so it feels like we're in the, we're in the studio as usual. So yeah. that's always fun. <laughs> now, uh, before we get into this uh, episode proper, as always... We don't spend any money on advertising.
2: Did you know that, Dan? We don't <laughs> I spend a dollar. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking.
0: So, if you're enjoying this podcast, please go ahead, uh, like, subscribe, share it with your friends, verbally, on the on the socials, um, over the, the current Zoom meeting, whatever it is that you're doing, <laughs> um, get the word out there. Uh, if you're a How to Train Your Dragon fan, I'm assuming you are if you're listening to this episode, if you know any other fans, then um, tell them to To come check out the episode, we'd love to see them there. So that's all of the that's all the advertising done. Andrew, you
1: mentioned uh, how to train your dragon fans. Can I just say that I think, along with Lord of the Rings, this has probably been our most requested score. Mm. Um, believe it or not, by quite a long margin. Uh, yeah, really believe it's, it or not, it's right up there. This has somehow been this big, amazing kind of hit in the film music community, especially. Um, I, I talk to sort of, you know, regular non-film music fan folks. Um, <laughs> what are they like, Nick? <laughs> well, they're, oh, they're the worst. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're the ones who should be isolated. But um, to your average pleb, when you mention this film, they're like, oh, yeah, I've sort of heard of that. But you mention it in film score circles and boy, oh, boy, people's eyes light up like candy. It's just... Mm. Something about this trilogy of films, and let's not forget there are three of them, uh, despite we'll be you know, mainly talking about the original in this, in this episode, um, has really hit a nerve with, with the emotions of film score fans, and for good reason, which we'll soon discover.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Now, uh, it's that time of the, the episode, Daniel, where <laughs> you get to lay us some of your knowledge. Of course, we have our composer, John Powell, huge fan of John Powell, myself. Mm. Mm. What can you tell us about <laughs> the amazing John Powell? Well, I mean, uh, the film as well. I mean, I was kind of
2: thinking, actually, that often with these segments, I'm situating the, the, the film in, in film history and telling us where it came from and its legacy and importance. And I think, you know, actually How to Train Your Dragon is one of the more recent films we've done. I
0: don't yeah, know. not quite. I don't know if it's the most recent, but it's one of the more recent. Yeah,
2: we've done some of the, the recent Star Wars films. We did The Force Awakens. It's probably yeah, yeah, maybe one yeah. of the, the most recent. And so I suppose there's not been a lot of time to kind of situate the film in history, it's only ten years old, which uh, is uh, spring chicken compared to a lot of the other films that we've done. But it's um, it, you know it's interesting because it, it came from DreamWorks Animation, and I think uh, DreamWorks were seen as the the kind of um, uh, If Pixar was the deep and meaningful emotions, but also kind of appealing to children, then DreamWorks was maybe more teenager, maybe more pop culture orientated. I mean, think of the Shrek films. And I think How to Train Your Dragon is quite different to that. Uh, You know, there's definitely some elements of that. And I think certainly Jay Barrichello, The Voice, you know, which is such an iconic sort of, uh, I don't know comedic voice you know not Scottish at all like the rest of the uh, (laughs) adults on the island anyway Um, but I think there's a lot of heart to this film which is one of the reasons that it's so successful it was based on a series of um, books uh, and a book in particular but a series of books by Cressida Cowell uh, as I think Andrew you mentioned and uh, the first film anyway was directed by Chris Sanders and Dean Dubois Um, the sequels were I think just Dubois um, and uh, Sanders produced them, but it's you know it's it's. I, I mean, I, I know several uh, parents, and Andrew, I know you've been uh, watching this uh, with your kid.
0: I did watch it with my daughter. It was yeah. um, it was a lot of fun, actually. She really she really loved it, um, and she's young. She's she's only coming on to three, so don't judge me too bad. I don't know if this mm. is an appropriate film for three year olds, but um, she she loved it. I think there's something. Anytime that I see, a you know, a sort of a, a film that is made for kids that are bigger than three, as soon as I see her latch onto it straight away, there is almost always some kind of heart there involved. There's a, a vibe that's mm. really easy for young kids to latch onto. And it's it's a great little tester onto, you know, how good a film actually is or yeah. how it feels when you have a toddler, yeah. you know, sort of get mesmerised by it straight away. So, um, but, but uh, she, loves it.
2: she uh, and, loves it. And I think the other test of that is once a kid... Locks onto it how much a parent can stand it being played and repeated and repeated and repeated <laughs> and I, I know several parents actually whose kids adore this film and they're not sick of it it's sort of the one film in the, the arsenal of um, let's pop on a, a DVD that they're sort of like quite happy to have on any time. So I don't know, maybe uh, there's something something about it.
0: it. It's really well constructed. Like it mm. it, it moves along, um, there isn't wasted scenes, yeah. there isn't sort of overly goofy stuff that's there just for the sake of a, a cheap laugh. Mm. Um, and, and importantly, and the reason why we're here today is... The music yeah. is superb. It really is um, from start to finish. It's sort of beautiful, sweeping melodies, mm. great sort of uh, light motif. Um, so the you know taking of themes and and rejigging them and and so on. And it is gorgeous. And mm-hmm. I this is definitely the first time I became properly aware of John Powell. Mm. And, you know, he's certainly gone on to do wonderful things since. Exactly. I mean, John Powell, I think, is such an interesting composer.
2: Uh, and, I mean, same with me. I mean, I knew John Powell's music from the Bourne films. That was where I first oh, sort of, of encountered yes. him. But, I mean, those films are such pounding, sort of uh, rhythmic, uh, you know, those cellos with the, the huge repetitive um, attacking um, main motif in that film. But there's quite a lot of electronics in that score. And I think I'd kind of written him off as a sort of Hans Zimmer style just action you know like I like the Bourne scores but I'd not really thought of his music as particularly melodic for example um, but, I mean, you know, you actually look over his CV and a lot of the films that he was doing, even prior to the Bourne films, were uh, films like, you know, Ants, the, the sort of um, It's a Bug's Life, a Bug's Life uh, also ran animated yep. yeah, film, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chicken Run, That's Shrek. That's the kind of
1: era that I actually first discovered his music, so maybe, maybe ah. a, a bit prior to the Bourne films, so... To me, yeah, How to Train Your Dragon is like the best of that kind of style. Yeah. And let's not forget that, I mean, all those earlier scores you mentioned, like, yeah, uh, Chicken Rung, Ants, uh, Shrek, were all co-composed with Harry, Gregson, Williams. Right. And to me, they were like the two composers who worked in amongst the Zimmer factory, both British composers, um, and actually, met Hans Zimmer over in London doing kind of TV jingles and some basic kind of film work there, and got brought over by Mr. Hans <laughs> and um, really, I guess, broke out of his his shadow quite successfully. First, as a pair through these DreamWorks animations, and then, you know, now both kind of split away in two and got their own very successful film music careers each. Mm. And
0: of course, um I, I thought uh, recently, um, uh, relatively recently, his work on Solo yeah. was absolutely stunning. That um, once again, and we, we're about to explore this in in a, in a minute or so, his ability to take strong melodies, uh, in the case of Solo, written by um, John Williams, but taking strong melodies and just wonderful reinterpretations and reinventions, and and sort of pulling together a gorgeous, full orchestral. You know, score that tells a tells a story as yeah. you go all the way through. So, yep, um, very happy to be doing How to Train Your Dragon. <laughs> it is our second animation in the row. Maybe we're just an animation oh, uh, podcast now. I,
2: I, there would be worse <laughs> things. Uh, worse yeah, things to be. Exactly. <laughs> I think the the one uh, last thing that I would say about mm-hmm. John Powell before we move on to discussing the ins and outs of his music is that he is. Uh, a joy to follow on social media. he's really <laughs> active and posts a lot of his um, uh, early like mock-ups of cues and does oh, videos cool. where he compares the you know the kind of sketch um, to where he's filled it out with virtual instruments on his computer to the final orchestral recorded version and that I mean that kind of behind the scenes material is so so good and kind of rare still um, so yeah totally good one to check out.
0: Okay, let's get into some music. Instead of talking about music, let's listen to some music. Uh, so, Nick, you've conducted this one all around the the world. So
1: I have. Um, I was very lucky to do the uh, North American premiere of this film live in concert. And in fact, I um, did. I tell you guys about the time I left my wife for John Powell. <laughs> 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 that sounds a bit wrong. So um, I'm at Los Angeles Airport transiting between flights and about to head up these escalators. And I looked over to my right. I'm like, I know that person. And I sort of, you know, did, did a double blink and I realized, oh my God, that's that's John Powell. And my <laughs> wife had already left up the escalators sort of in front of me. And I'm like, oh, he's like one of my heroes. What do I do? Do I follow my wife to the plane or do I <laughs> run after this this man? <laughs> and um, yeah. I chose John Powell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I just I just bolted. I didn't even tell her. I was just like... Uh, and I looked behind me and she was like staring at me like what's going on. So anyway, I ran up to him and said, Oh, Mr. Powell, John Powell, look, you know, big fan. I just conducted your sc-. and this was just a couple of weeks after the the um the concert I'd done. I said, I just mm. conducted your score and he's like, Oh, great, great, how was it? Um and he was lovely. We we spoke briefly about the the challenges of the extremely loud dynamics of the Ooh. score. And which really brings me to I guess the first thing I want to talk about, which is how dynamic this score is, and I've read interviews with Powell where basically it was by choice. So the director said, "We want loud music. We want stuff going on. Stuff the dialogue, pretty much. We'll turn it down with faders. Just throw the kitchen sink at it." And when you look at the look at the very first action cue of the film, it just. Goes, and there's so much volume and activity happening in the orchestra, and it, there's all this dialogue going on in amongst the action. It's
0: been sort of narrated over the top, isn't it? Yeah. yeah,
1: and you always get taught in film schools you have to compose your music around the dialogue. Um, he was given the express directive to not do that; just just <laughs> go for heart and and fun, <laughs> and you know we'll we'll use the faders and turn everything down where it needs to be. So that that sense of fun and and just throwing the kitchen sink at it all is really, I think, what makes this score so fun for people. It's not restrained. And I mm. think the fact that it's an animation means you can kind of get away with that a bit more than, say, a live action film where it's a bit more grounded in reality. mmm
0: uh, now, Nick, let's um, let's start with the, the first main theme, probably one mm-hmm. of the, the more major themes of the entire thing. And because this, this score hasn't been around for that long and, uh, as far as I could tell, hasn't been absolutely picked apart by the score fan community at this point, <laughs> we're coming up with our own names for yeah. all of these themes.
1: This is not like a Star Wars where there is war yeah. about it's, what it's these themes are called. <laughs> Um, yeah we are totally making up these names and you know this is what we love about our film music community Write to us. Disagree with us. Share share
0: your thoughts. Uh, whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa. Don't disagree too much. <laughs> we only want compliments and five-star reviews, Nick. That's, yeah. that's, that's all we're interested in. <laughs> no, no, it is right. If, if you are keen, um, remind me again, Dan, the, or Nick, the the email address that people can contact us on to tell us how wrong we are. It is contact at au.
1: So, look. Let's start with the little tune that opens the very beginning of the film. All right, so I'm going to go on a limb and I'm going to call this the friendship theme. And there's a very good reason for that. We really find out that over the course of this film, um, really what the film is about is about a boy called Hiccup who basically develops a relationship with a dragon despite his entire clan society taking the opposite viewpoint, which is that dragons are bad and we must kill them. And so I guess... What's really clever about this melody is how it grows along with the friendship between Hiccup and the dragon that he befriends called Toothless. And rather than just analyze a theme and let's talk about it for the next 30 minutes, I actually want to look at this melody and how it changes and actually develops with a little theme or melody that is written for the dragon, Toothless. And what is so incredible is that they are presented quite distinct elements and yet slowly they start to fuse over the course of the film together um, just as the relationship grows. So if we're going to call that the friendship theme let's have a listen to what we call Toothless's theme. And this is this sort of angular melodic pattern that starts out quite vicious and and dark and angry when we first hear it. (laughs) Now, something that you might notice right away is this friendship theme often is quite grounded with a pedal tone, and we've called we've talked about pedals in many of our episodes. But it's basically where the harmony um, doesn't move at the very bottom of the register. So, if the theme is like this. So basically the whole um, harmony is just rooted in this low F and that keeps it quite grounded, quite, um, quite kind of sure-footed and in a way sort of noble, but I think this element of grounded, especially when we're talking about animals and things flying, is really important.
0: It does also make it feel a little bit like sort of a static, doesn't it? It doesn't yeah, have yeah. that forward momentum. It's kind of like a hymn to me, I think feels like Mm, it doesn't it yeah you could totally sing that (laughs) yeah 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 okay dan he asked for it
1: (laughs) anyway sorry (laughs) and this this toothless melody is this one that i was playing so it's that kind of angry angry little melody there Um, and again that itself is quite rooted So that's something I want you to sort of have a listen to as we work through all these cues because the next time we hear it, similar thing, but this time on sort of like these angry bagpipes. And this is when Hiccup goes looking for Toothless and Toothless kind of jumps on him and, you know, it's quite a frightening moment for poor little Hiccup. Hiccup. Now what do you guys think of the bagpipes? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, there's quite a lot of bagpipes in this film, isn't it? I suppose it's the Scottish thing that they've got going on, yeah, totally, but I mean, I like I you know, when I first heard this score, I hadn't seen the film uh, and because I just had so many people recommending it to me, yeah, <laughs> and I was sort of like especially some of the early cues the 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 welcome to this this is Burke that one which I'm sure we'll get to at some point um sort of like if I was making a Scottish superhero film (laughs) 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 then you could just drop this music right in there (laughs) that's kind of what I think of whenever uh, I hear the bagpipes still
0: even though I know much better now but (laughs) yeah no totally I mean, I'm going to stuff up my history in a major way here so so history buffs don't at me. I mean, Vikings, in terms of when they came into the UK, Mm. before it was the UK, Mm. um, they absolutely sort of took over large parts of of Scotland and Ireland Mm -hmm. um, and didn't really make their way very successfully into England. So, if we think about, you know, a a sound world for Vikings, then it does make a little bit of sense having that Scottish flavour and Irish flavour to it because that's sort of what the deal was for a very long time.
1: Weren't they Scandinavian, the Vikings? Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, originally, but then, like I said, when they came over to the... They came over, yeah,
1: yeah and sort of inherited part of the cultures that they took over. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I d- yeah. I
2: think that some people semi-seriously argue that's where the uh, the red hair comes from and that kind of stuff for uh, Scottish okay, people. Yeah. But yeah, like places like Lindisfarne, I think is one of the major was one of the major settlements in um, in Scotland. But yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, look, I you know, I think it, I mean, I'm you say don't don't at me with the history buffs. I mean, you're aware you're on the podcast with one, and that was pretty good. I think so you did okay, Andrew. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah.
1: <laughs> now, the opening friendship sort of theme that we heard. There's a really kind of spooky version of it where John Powell uses like choir, um, a solo kind of vocal, and quite a, a slightly different harmonization of it that is almost ethereal in its nature. And it's really really kind of magical, but spooky at the same time.
0: Of course, we get that female choir as well um, giving us a nice little spooky Mm -hmm. um, sort of spirits, angels or something, I don't know. Is is that harmonics
2: on the strings or or something? Yeah, that that melody
1: is actually, you're right, it's done with sort of really high eerie string harmonics. Mm. And he sort of changes the the harmony a bit. Mm. So it's sort of major but minor at the same time. so it really again it there's that really low pedal thing grounding it but it sort of it has an element of like curiosity about yeah. it yeah uh, maybe you know that that a young boy would would have about a dragon <laughs> uh, no
2: absolutely and i mean even with the the more standard presentation that we first heard i mean to me it's kind of amazing i mean it's a minor second that first interval and yet it still sounds so noble i mean a minor second to me when i'm doing interval training in high school right a minor second is jaws right (laughs) 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 and so to hear a melody start like that i I don't know like it's just it's so surprising to me that it works so beautifully
1: do you think it almost sounds um, you know, we've talked in past episodes about like um, Arabian music and Egyptian music, That's sort of the, the east, the far east. I think or maybe on one of the Gladiator episodes we discussed it and I find this um, progression, it has a bit of that kind of Lawrence of Arabia mm, oh, totally vibe does. to it. I mean, even mm. Stargate.
3: Mm.
1: You know, you know that, that combination of major, minor, major, minor. Um, evoke something. Mm. It, yeah. It's really, it's really pushing and pulling. And with the grounding low D, it's magical but spooky.
0: I mean, it's so often used as, as um, film music mystery, isn't it? It's like totally not quite, you know, it's exotic, um, it's different, it's new um, and mysterious. And, uh, yeah, it's just a beautiful performance of it.
1: Going down that path, you know, Hiccup discovers this dragon book and he starts flipping through it. Basically, it has like, it's like a cheat sheet to all the dragons that the Vikings have discovered. And the moment he turns to like a blank page and it just says Night Fury at the top and it's completely empty, he's you know discovers that basically they haven't f- ever seen this one before. Um, and, again, going down this exotic route, we get the Dulcimer, which, I mean, you can get Celtic dulcimer. There's so many... Dulcimer has sort of... It's like the piano accordion. People think it comes from, like, Hungary or something. But you find it all over Europe in so many different cultures. Do you want to explain how it's um, played
2: yeah.
0: or
1: what it looks like, Nick? Dan, don't you have one? Uh, no. <laughs> in your vast collection of
2: instruments? I've got all sorts of things here. Uh, none of which, of course, our podcast listeners can see. There's a peeper right behind me, which is a Chinese instrument, but
1: that doesn't help us at all.
2: Um,
3: <laughs> you're well showing off, Dan. Um,
1: yeah, well, you know, look, he started it. <laughs> I'll play you the, this version of um, Toothless's theme. Uh, that's the one you're kind of looking for, but you'll mm. really hear it on the hammered dulcimer. And it's still using that kind of scale,
0: you know. It's that yeah, that Arabian thing at the end. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah it's totally one of those one of those yeah modal mm.
3: scales.
0: And I, I realise we we actually didn't say what the the hammered dulcimer is. So what it looks like, if you can imagine a, I don't know, a a um, large number of it almost looks like piano strings. Have you ever Mm. seen sort of wire um, piano strings? Um, You've got a whole pile of those sort of stretched out in front of you on on a frame. And then uh, the, the player simply has, uh, I, I guess there's sort of like two sticks. There's all sorts of different you know, mallets or you know, items that you can strike the strings with. But they're actually, generally speaking, quite fr- uh, frail, quite fragile sticks. They're not yeah. sort of big drumming sticks. Mm. And um, yeah, you're sort of just hitting them over the top of these, like I said, what looks like piano strings. And uh, you get that sort of quite spindly mm. um, sort of plucked even though it's not plucked um, sound, and uh, yeah, it can once again. It can sound very other, uh, yeah. you know, foreign. Um, it doesn't sound like it's sort of. It's not warm. It's not a warm sound. You
2: can also yeah. do like a drum roll on them as well, which um, I think Howard Shaw uses that sound for Gollum.
3: Uh, yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, all of Gollum's theme is yep. is
0: is on the the hammer dulcimer, at least a, mm. an awful lot of it is. So mm. yeah, that idea once again of the other, you know, the, the sort of the the person that's that's foreign and not from here.
2: And the the one other thing that I just <laughs> no pun intended uh, the, from that. That last cue that we heard, those uh, little uh, trumpet rhythms, the repeated notes, the da 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 like that—that's so John Williams. So it's almost mm. like John Powell is um, looking into the future to his uh, well collaboration on solo.
1: Solo day, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: but I mean that's that to me that's that's such a trademark John Williams sound that low trumpet doing the da 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 da. I think it's in like War of the Worlds and all sorts of films. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Now these two melodies that we've heard so far, this sort of friendship theme and then Toothless's little melody over the top, they've always been quite separate and never felt very comfortable together (laughs) but there's this amazing scene in the film where basically they're almost starting to court each other and they slowly warm to each other and what's so marvelous about how this is treated musically is that he takes this toothless melody puts it into a major key and then basically puts it over the top of this friendship theme but the friendship theme now instead of being this melody rooted with like a, a static chord at the bottom, it slowly gradually starts to develop a bit more harmony underneath. And you can really, it's like the musical equivalent of them starting to to establish a friendship. So let's have a listen to this cue.
0: huh yeah it's a
1: beautiful moment I mean this this has been one of the the cues I think that has really gravitated with people um, I think just because it has almost like a this sort of
0: new age slowly
1: mm-hmm. drawn out meditative quality. It's a, almost a bit hypnotic
0: in its repetition. I can imagine it being music for an ad where you've got like, pictures of families walking in meadows and talking about the new iPhone, you know. I Yeah, I,
2: but I mean, you know, I think we're really starting to hear why film music buffs get so excited by John Powell, I think. I mean, like even this queue is so full of woodwinds like, I mm. love that the low woodwind pulse. Um, boop, 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 yeah, boop, 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 boop. which is, I mean, it's quite Steve Reich, actually. It sounds like, um, his, his music, yeah, there's an positions. element of
1: minimalism, isn't there? Yeah, about
2: it, yeah. I mean, certainly, um, in, in terms of the the chord progressions as well. Um, yeah. but I think you know, this is 2010, which is the same year as um, Inception, um, and I think you know, that particular. Uh, sort of really beefy sound um, and quite digital sound taking over Hollywood and becoming dominant. So I think, you know, John Powell's really flying the flag for the woodwind section, which is basically entirely <laughs> absent from Inception, right? Yeah. Uh, and a lot mm. of that kind of more, you know, brass percussion explosions. Mm. Yeah. And is this yeah.
0: the first time that we get, you know, we, we, I, was, um, I was teaching you all about uh, Viking history earlier, <laughs> yeah. gents, and, um, and mentioned uh, Ireland. And in this particular cue, we have Tin Whistle, mm. sort of very Irish yeah, we do. sounding. And then we also have a, am I correct here, Nick, one of those like Irish drums, what are they called? Oh, the oh like a Bodron? Yeah, Bodron. I mean, because it sounds like there's one of those sort of drums playing in the background.
1: Look, I'd have to check the score. Uh, there is mm-hmm. definitely Bodron in places in the score. I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it creeps in there. And heaps yeah. of mallet percussion. We've got it's like two marimbas, vibraphone. Um, it's really it's a, a percussion's dream this yeah. thing as well. And Dan, you mentioned the harmony. Um, and again, what makes it feel like this is growing in a friendship way is that usually the theme, yeah, like I said, is grounded. But what he does here is he really elongates it and changes harmony almost each time he repeats the melody. So he kind of does this. (laughs) And you really start to get this sense of almost like these pop progressions. Mm. And later on, you know. I mean, just take the chords. You know, it could be some kind of
3: baby, baby.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, I'm um, sorry to all the fans I've just ruined this for you, but it's that kind of um, real um, pop world progression. And bring it into the film scoring world, which is happening more and more these days. Absolutely. Um, But, you know, when you color it with all this amazing orchestration, those simple, you know, pop style chords, that's the thing that is really hooking everyone out there. Um, and then he's just colouring it with his with his style over the top.
2: Yeah, I mean they they work for a reason. Um, <laughs> those <laughs> those chords, uh, but I mean yeah. I think even that toothless theme, um, the being played on uh, dulcimer or even as you're playing it on piano. I mean to me it sounds almost kind of like Coldplay-ish or something. You know, there's there's a certain yeah. kind of like yeah, it's like the lick yeah, like the it's riff, the lick. Kind of yeah, lick yeah 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 for sure yeah
1: totally. Yeah. <laughs> now. There actually is, to my ears, uh, a secondary B part of this friendship theme, and this only appears when their friendship is really fully cemented, and it's this theme here. So on and so forth. Yeah. And all of a sudden there's harmony on every chord. It's really changing. It's grounded, it's got direction, it's like, ah, now now we're moving somewhere. And we actually hear a tiny bit of it at the very opening of the film, but it's it's sort of cleverly disguised in the in the opening. Yeah.
0: Nice little waltz, isn't it? One, two, yeah, three. it's in One, three. Two, three. Done. Done. I mean, it sounds like um, uh, the way this sets up, because of course you you know they're swooping through the village and telling you about um, you know the this this culture and and the, its people, setting the scene. They play that melody like a folk melody. Mm. It really does feel like that has been around for a very long time. Yeah, here's the village. Um, yeah, exactly. Mm. And and it's play, played in a folk way. You've got sort of single instruments playing it. You don't have massive sections of the orchestra playing it. You've got, you know, solo instruments, uh, wind instruments, and and um, plucked instruments, and so on. And. Uh, Yeah, and it sort of has this nice little, um, hey, this is the sort of music that's happening outside the tavern. (laughs) And then later on, we take that idea of that melody and we sort of build it into sort of big heroic, um, you know, friendship Mm. themes. Yeah,
1: and look, nothing is more heroic than the first time in the film that all these three elements come together, that sort of static... You know, friendship part A, where it's got the pedal at the bottom, uh, Toothless's melody, and then this secondary friendship part B melody when they finally go for a, a, what they call a test drive. And it's this wonderful cue where you'll actually hear all three elements come come together.
0: I believe it's a, uh, it's a theme Voltron that we're achieving here <laughs> at this point. <laughs> totally. I like it. Hit that. the cue, Nick. Hit the cue. There's Toothless's theme.
1: The first part. You hear those low pedal sustain notes at the bottom. And that tin whistle over the top. Now listen how the harmony moves here.
2: I love it. I'd put that. I reckon in the top five cues written of the twenty tens. <laughs> no, yeah. you're not wrong, Dan. I think yeah. it's.
0: Um, I mean, I was I, wondering how yeah. how much more you're going to start narrowing down. Yeah, your well, field.
2: I love the
1: decade.
0: You know, like <laughs> top five of Q the decade. Top five of the decade. That'll, that'll five, of the decade. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: why do you think that is? Because I I agree. It just has this sort of real. Yeah fantasy element but it's sort of it makes you almost tap your foot a bit and the the percussion it almost it's like a stately dance of flight it's it's bizarre
2: yeah exactly it's got those incredible pop harmony going on which is I mean it's just Beatles it's everybody but it's combined with that film music rhythm i think like it sounds to me almost like you would you'd be able to blend it pretty easily into chariots of fire like that dun dun dun
3: dun 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 yeah dun dun, you know like that kind yeah, of i mean thing.
0: it's that big it's that big beat three right it's yeah. a one, two, three, four, one, yeah. two, three. you know it feels like a big pop ballad you know like a rock ballad
3: yeah
1: and the um my my favorite bit is the the very last bit of it Um, And have a listen. There's actually some electric guitars in there, which I'll play it and see if we can pick them out.
0: All I heard was the uh, bagpipes and the hammered dulcimer at the end there.
1: All right, so I've read that this was one of the first cues that John Powell actually wrote for the film. Mm-hmm. And before he wrote any orchestra, he actually just got a guitar and laid down some massive 80s-style <laughs> power chords. Um, and I'm very lucky. I actually have those samples here. Wow. Um, so I, I want just, to just isolate them and play them for you because they're – they're an interesting vibe, and apparently, he just threw them up against the screen and thought, Yeah, this is something here. <laughs> Check it out. Nice. <laughs> I mean, that could just be like someone, some teenager, like you yeah, know, yeah. in their garage in the 80s, whatever, like Michael J. Fox yeah. in Back to the Future. <laughs> um, so what I've done, I've, I've put a bit of like my bad drumming underneath it just to give you an idea of what that might sound like.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you no, know, I guess what I'm trying to highlight here is you're right, those real kind of fundamental pop sensibilities. Mm. But you know what it needs, gentlemen? Oh, it needs a bit of Belinda Carlisle. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Oh, sorry. I, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I um I couldn't resist.
0: Don't wow. don't you hear it though? Yeah, don't yeah, yeah. It? Well now that you play that I hear it. <laughs>
1: Imagine if that was like the whole the whole orchestra <laughs>
3: Wow.
1: Wow. So I feel
2: like <laughs> sorry, sorry. we are well. We are deep into crimes against this film by this
0: point. and I was so in love with Belinda Carlisle as a as a kid in the 80s. Uh, I who's, reckon she was my first pop crutch. Who's crush. Belinda Carlisle? No. Oh, okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, here we go. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, Dad, he's only I'm, about three years younger yeah, than me. Weird.
1: Let's let's bring <laughs> this back to what I was actually trying to talk about, which was the electric guitars. So, yeah. Um, let's leave Belinda Carlisle on the dance floor. (laughs) Um, uh, just have listened to the full orchestration, but I've got the guitars way up in the mix and you really feel how they're just creating this great kind of strong anchor for, for the whole piece.
0: Do you know, I'm going to take the um, I'm going to take the fun out of it for one second. Mm-hmm. Even though there's a part of me that that loves the rocking out of that sound, it actually by just sort of going chord, 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 it's lost a lot of its movement at that totally. point. Totally. Like when you when you sort of bring that up in the mix, now it doesn't feel like it's really soaring and and mm. you know you know flying forwards and it's got like a excitement. I don't the excitement. Of that movement isn't there anymore.
2: That's true. But I was thinking earlier, and I was going to say when we played the f- the the longer part of the cue, I think that a lot of that excitement stems from the fact that it's been so static up until that moment, uh, because yeah, it's possible. kind of like you know when that cue opens, it's you know the <clears throat> drums just and the that um, that um, that line the but it's the harmony is sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. And, and then, finally then let's go. it drops, uh, yeah, yeah. and it, to the what is it the sixth degree? Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it to me, it's that it's that contrast that gives it that. And I think even if you were just on guitar, just hammering out those single chords for if the you, 24 bars, yeah, and then started to move. Yeah, I think it would still have yeah. the same effect.
3: Yeah.
1: No, totally. Um, We occasionally get this toothless melody in three Which is a nice Yeah, has a very different character about it Check it out It's like an um has a bit of elegance Dun, da dee da dee. It's yeah really it's like a proper a, you know, dance
0: i mean i know we talk about the waltz and the you know having three beats in the bar but it does feel like a dance it's mm. like you know uh big step you know quick quick long quick quick long quick quick long and it has that sort of pumping effect with it yeah hmm Yeah, Yeah, it's a nice one. Dan,
1: just to highlight your point about the harmony being static and then moving, um, the best example is probably when we just get a really gentle solo piano presentation towards the end of the first part of the friendship theme going into the secondary part. And really, again, just hear how the static piano starts to change later on.
2: It's beautiful. <laughs> it's nice, isn't it? Yeah, I think you know. I think the other thing about it is that it's not just pop writing, like it's not just the same hackneyed stuff that you hear in every song. Yes, it's using a familiar progression, but it's it never sits long enough in it to be a cliche. Like even towards the end of that, you know, the chords change and develop um, with a da 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 like that section. Yeah. Um, th- it shifts and it's sort of like, yeah, you yeah. expected it to do something else, but actually this theme has got more maturity to it.
0: Well, I think that's that second part of that melody is where it shifts into the folk folkiness mm. of it. So it's where it yeah. goes back into, you know, a mode um, and it feels like we're now back in sort of, you know, Irish, Scottish sort of Ooh. folk music territory. Oh,
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, mm. it's, it's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because that first bit is the static bit could be anything.
3: <laughs>
1: oh god, you know what it sounds like it sounds like um You guys know what that is?
2: <laughs> it just sounds <laughs> like all well I can hear is the colour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's, all right, it's this.
1: Is this Hans Zimmer? It is Hans Zimmer. Come on, I've played this one before. Cold Trickle wins the race. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's that um, Days of Thunder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Incredible. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Um... uh, you know what? What is also interesting is that um, John Powell's very first score he did in Hollywood um, was Face Off mm. uh, with Travolta and Nicolas Cage with John their Wu. sort of faces. Mm. And um, if you listen to the melody that he sort of wrote for this uh, film, I'll play it. Have a listen to the last sort of few chords. Yeah. Hmm. These sort of if I just play them, you know, they're all of a sudden you see it's that same hmm. Same progression that he's used, so the same in his world, yeah, yeah, totally, totally the same world,
2: yeah. And those bells are doing a similar sort of thing as um, mm. the strings, yeah,
1: yeah. Mm. So, you know, and that's obviously his um, he's got a great knack for fusing some pop sensibilities into his music and then just layering on amazing colors, orchestrations, yeah. and and color,
2: which is funny yeah. because you know, you often hear of um, well, pop musicians and rock musicians coming into the film music world and they seem on balance much less likely to do that they're much more likely to you know (laughs) do like mika levy or uh, johnny greenwood or something like that and do something completely out there
1: now andrew you like your history so let's get into some (laughs) scottish stuff Um, (laughs) the last example of this friendship theme happens at the very end of the credits and have a listen to the amount it's like a pipe band has been employed and the Scottish drumming is off the charts
0: By the left, quick!
2: <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that's awesome. That yeah. snare, that particular um, sort of Scottish military tattoo snare, is so distinctive. Like it's not a regular snare drum. The the skin is so sharp. Yeah, yeah sharp. Yeah, sharp yeah, a good yeah, word for it. And, and in, in fact, that sound haunts me to this day because. Uh, oh, no. well You okay, not, Dan? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, when I so I did. Uh, now it sounds like I'm dropping this in but when I did the, the soundtrack for um, the Untitled, go. Untitled Goose Game uh, I had to um, create some music for the radio and the first piece that plays pretty much every, for everybody when you when you pick up the radio in the game is a is a piece of bagpipe music because we thought that would be kind of funny and irritating um, not that bagpipes <laughs> are irritating but i didn't have i didn't have the sample of that snare drum so i just had to oh, make I do know. with a regular kind of snare drum and i was just forever frustrated by that so whenever <laughs> i hear that particular
0: type i'm like ah Failure. And really, it was a lesser game because of it. I, that's uh, what I thought.
2: <laughs> that's really been the problem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dan, that was a terrible plug.
0: Uh, if,
2: yeah. <laughs> people are out there.
1: If they don't know, Dan has written the music for Untitled Goose Game, which just won Game of the Year. F- in yeah. some category the yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> BAFTA or something or? Uh,
2: yeah, no, no it didn't uh, didn't quite win the BAFTA but it won um, the DICE game of the year and the game developers choice award yeah yeah, <laughs> GDC award yeah mm.
0: Dan um, I'm I'm very proud that we have um, we have these these gents on out of the Score here um, Dan is very humble but yeah, he, he, he wrote the, maybe we do an Untitled Goose Game episode. Would that uh, be weird for you, Dan? Would you of, just have to be Nick and I just talking about
2: yeah, it? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And then I can come you, in
0: later. You can
2: come <laughs> yeah. in. And- yeah, yeah. Well, look, you know, the, the, the game does, I mean, mostly the music. I think writing is, is in some instances an overstatement because it adapts to Visi's music quite Substantially. So, really, I'd, you know, if we can get ah, him. He's been on, dead 100 years. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Take the He doesn't credit. care. Yeah. He
3: doesn't yeah.
0: care man. Um, <laughs> let's move on, shall we?
1: Yeah, we should. Staying with this Scottish theme, um, have you guys seen on YouTube? They actually used like a massive drum line for the, I think, the Edinburgh tattoo mm. a few years ago, where they had like 150 drummers and pipers in a massive arena playing the music from How to Train Your Dragon. Wow. Oh, I didn't um, know that. So, right. check check it out on YouTube. Yeah. Just, just Google. How to Train Your Dragon um, tattoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But look, there's, there's kind of like a Scottish theme that keeps propping up in this film and I can't quite work out what it represents short of just being a melody for like the world.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a scene setter. Scene yeah, setter,
1: I mean, really. it, it, in some ways it might be considered kind of the main theme of this film, but Whoa. it's... Um, the main theme? Okay,
0: right. We're going to have a debate after this. Okay. <laughs> yeah,
1: check it out and we'll, we'll discuss it.
2: So that's the one that if I was making a Scottish superhero movie, that's the that's the main. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty fun, isn't it? It is. It's super fun.
0: Yeah. But how is this the main melody? Well, um this is the most aggressive I've ever got on of the score. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it plays near the start of the film, doesn't Explain it? Explain yourself. It plays
1: near the start. It plays in some key kind of actiony sequences. Um because I think when I say main, I don't mean like the most important. I just mean like as like an overall kind of mm. umbrella melody that really just sits over and really defines this sound world. Because I think out of any of the melodies that have written for the film, it's the most overtly kind of Scottish. It's like a massive jig. Mm. Well, it's I mean, twelve-eight jointiness. That that
2: cue uh, is that. That's the this is Burke, isn't it? Um, yeah. cute. So, I mean, we could call it the the Burke theme, which, which is sort of the yeah. world, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It could, yeah. yeah.
1: It could just be the theme for their, for their world. Totally, totally.
2: Burke is the name of the town for anybody who hasn't seen the film. Sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we
1: actually hear it much earlier in, again, quite a sort of placid, gentle, introductory, almost like a turning the page of a fairy tale kind of presentation. So that I wouldn't say sounds particularly Scottish there, but that's that sort of plays just after the DreamWorks logo, and to me feels like how the Shrek films kind of opened. You know, oh, high yeah. strings, um, wordless choir,
0: solo woodwind. Once again, sort of folk music vibe. Again. Yeah, I mean this this is how Shrek opens, for example.
1: Now your high strings, solo woodwind comes in.
0: it's also in three
1: yeah Mm. has a bit of a once upon a time feel to it Mm. yeah definitely (laughs) in, in three as well
0: Except the um, with the with the Burke theme, what we're calling the Burke theme now. Um, thank you, Daniel. <laughs> is uh, it's a very sort of fast groups of three. I mean, you mentioned the time signature being twelve eight, which the musicians amongst us will know what that means. But for everyone else, it's four lots of three. Hence the twelve. So four times three is twelve. So it's like one two three, one two three, one two three, one two three. So I think the same reason why. Um, you know, we always talk about those groups of three and what sort of vibe that gives. Often it gives like a spinning vibe or movement or floating. I mean, certainly with that Shrek thing, it sort of feels very, um, you know, there's magic and there's, you know, floating and so on. Um, With the Scottish one, it's much more furious you know and by that I mean like moving really quickly Um, so it's like a furious sort of uh, dance um,
3: jig that jig is the perfect word for it I mean
1: check out this example which actually officially features the bodron as well as like a sort of penny whistle piccolo bit on top
2: can I uh, just make a a, a a point of pronunciation because I work with a, a Irish colleague very closely <laughs> I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure oh, no. I'm pretty sure it's I I still won't get it very right but I'm pretty sure it's much closer to say "bóran" rather than "bod". Uh, I'm pretty sure the D is not Nicholas. a thing the D's silent well it's it's not so much silent as it's I mean it's it's Gaelic right. But Bo- Bo- wow. I think, is something like that. I'm sure we have Irish listeners, wow. so please correct us or write in and, and tell us how horribly wrong both yeah. of our pronunciations right are. Write into Dan, yeah, write right into in. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I had to stop the podcast here because I can already hear our Irish friends typing madly to our email to point out how wrong we currently are. I looked up the pronunciation, and it is in fact. Bowron. Bawron, Bawron, and uh, yeah, that's a, uh, apologies to everybody, uh, but let's resume the episode and keep listening to the wonderful world of Irish drumming and that drum called the Bawron. Thanks very much.
3: Is
1: it potentially is it, is that an Irish drum as opposed yeah. to Scottish? Okay, I'm pretty sure uh, John Williams used it for all his Irish jiggy yeah. kind of music in Far and Away. Check it out.
0: And what makes this this drum sort of really unique is that compared to a lot of other drums, if you're not familiar with, with what this one looks like, it's held in your hand. A lot of drums are sort of, you know, uh, sitting in front of you with the skin facing upwards. This is where it's sort of almost on its side. So the skin is facing, you know, to to the side. So it's like a... I don't know, what would you call it? Like a a vertical... Yeah, like a a, a bass drum in a... Yeah, like a bass drum. Mm -hmm. And instead of having a big stick that you're just sort of hitting it with, it has, uh, I guess, a double-ended... A uh, stick that's held in your hand, almost not quite like a nunchuck. What would it be? Sort of like a. Uh, you hold it in the middle, and it you sort of
1: twist your. Hands yeah, you
0: twist. You like you're flicking it almost with mm, both yeah. ends of the the stick. So you're twisting your 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 wrist back and forth really quickly, and then it's sort of flicking onto the the drums. Andrew, we really can all do this way. at home
1: if we all make <laughs> a fist. All right. Yes. If you're driving, just keep one hand on the wheel. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, raise your
1: fist and yes. then stick out your pinky yes. and then oh. your. Um, your thumb, oh, so your middle three like, fingers like,
0: are closed, like where, where, like a hey man, yeah, like yeah, sort yeah, of, yeah,
1: but like talking on a telephone with your yep, hand, yeah, and <laughs> then kind of flick it, left yeah, and flick right, it back and forth, it. yeah, that's what it is,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that that uh, concludes our lesson today on the bowren. Um, there's another great theme which I'm not quite
3: sure
1: what to call it. I've sort of tentatively called it the father son theme, but look, it really could be a a theme of growth. Uh, It could even be hiccup theme, I'm not sure. But it's this melody that kind of plays often when we are focused on hiccup, either not being a Viking or slowly becoming a Viking or even kind of failing as a Viking in his father's eyes. And it starts off as almost a bit of a bumbling folk tune in the opening montage piece and then kind of develops later in the film. But I'll play you what I'm talking about. And to me, this is... You mentioned some of the melodies sounding like folk tunes. I I really feel this is like an old Scottish folk tune, you know. Mm.
3: Yeah. And it really has
1: that... um, Yeah, I mean, do you guys know the song Loch Lomond?
0: Yeah, yeah, Um, for sure.
1: Sort of have that, that <laughs> similar ending to it, you know. And look, you know, you could easily have... Um, I, I wrote some words to this to this <laughs> folk tune, you know, if I was an old Scottish uh, <laughs> Scottish boy walking through the you town. You really
0: do have some time on your hands
1: at the moment, <laughs> don't you, Nick? Yeah. All right, See so here it goes. <clears throat> Performance. I went a-wandering through the town And took all day to look around I found a sweet young bonnie lass who knocked me right down on me ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. I mean, you, you can imagine the Scots singing something yeah, like that. Well, you? Sure. Maybe a better
3: accent than mine.
1: But
0: <laughs> I'm calling yeah. it now. This is the best episode we've ever done. Oh, 2020 is <laughs> incredible.
2: <laughs> yeah. Can never be better. We'll just we'll stop the podcast now. Yep. Anyway, so but um, you know, you know what else there is, especially about that version that we just heard, is we're going back into old art of the score history and law
0: mm. we've got a clarinet. We have
2: we've got a clarinet for a boy.
0: Yeah there is a clarinet for the little boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes yeah so maybe okay, so we're, we're going to debate is this hiccups theme or is this the father son theme?
1: Well let's uh, let's look at a few more examples because oh, I think okay. that may okay. prove.
0: I tend to like to debate things with as little information as possible. (laughs) But sure, you do it your way, Dick.
1: Well, look, when, you know, his father basically says to him, um, today my boy becomes a Viking, like he's really proud and he's sort of announcing it to the whole clan, we get this performance. I mean that's the sound to me of of a warm father's embrace. It's has that the, the, the French horn nobility with the warm string chords. It's really I'm gonna be a Viking. You know, it's that kind of moment. It's the little superhero moment for hiccup. I reckon the, it's the
0: um it's the thinking of hiccup theme. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's what he's doing, isn't it? Yeah.
2: I suppose yep. so. Well look, I was gonna say that to me it sounds like a like an elegy for childhood, like a like a funeral. Uh, it's like ah, yeah. oh, you know, it, like the, some of those those um, harmonies are so sad to me. I don't yeah. know.
1: Well, I think a lot of that scene, even though the father's talking, yeah. it, it it kind of cuts to hiccup. Um, and a close-up on him, sort of like, mm, but I don't want to be a Viking. Yeah, mm. feeling terrible. Um, yeah. You know, that kind of vibe or torn between, do I follow in what my father's clansmen are doing or do I want to kind of be friends with dragons, mm. be my own little individual? And that's, mm. you know, that's such a, God, that's such like a Disney Pixar DreamWorks animation kind of um, theme for these films, you know. Forge your own path. That's really the the centerpiece of so many Cartoons that that we see on our screens these days.
0: There's also a little um, clue in there, isn't there, that we actually get a for the briefest of moments a little bit of um, Toothless's yeah. theme, just sort of in a in a little gap between the. You know, when the melody resumes. What what actually happens in the in the film when that triggers? Because obviously Toothless isn't on the in no, that scene.
1: Astrid is next to hiccup and okay. she makes a comment about Toothless. So ah, just for that very right. brief okay, to okay. to hiccup whilst okay. he's hearing his father's speech. So right. she kind of reminds him about about Toothless. Yeah. So I think that's why it's this sort of pull of Do I follow my father or my heart? Those two things yeah okay Um, but look we get a pretty overly triumphant version in a major key when the kids all arrive at the battle and this could be representative of you know Hiccup going down the Viking route and being a champion finally in his father's eyes and it sounds like this
0: It's almost like a an old western, yeah, like before the spaghetti yeah. westerns. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a like a um, Elmer um, Bernstein sort of western. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm.
1: They are a bit like the cavalry, kind of flying in to save the day. A bit at that moment, mm. <laughs> um, it's pretty fun. And look, when they then swoop down on the dragons, we get a similar vibe, but a minor key version. Which yeah, maybe maybe the battle isn't going so well. <laughs> yeah. How cool is that? Choir. Ooh, ha, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> su- such There's a so kind of, much
0: random choir in all of this. Yeah, yeah.
2: Mm. such a stretched sound. I mean, I've actually, um, uh, I think, heard some people say that they think that um, the way that John Powell writes is quite key to his sound because he will write many, many layers. I mean, we were talking before about his social media. um Presence uh, and the way that he shows the piano role of his... um, uh, What did you say? Cubase that he works in or something like that? Yeah, Cubase. And usually when he's showing these things, there's just notes everywhere. There's not a um, frequency of the orchestra that's not filled. And apparently this is the way that he writes. He just will set up, you know, uh, his... uh, Basically, piano sound, he won't start necessarily orchestrating. He'll just start and like layer, you know, like eight pianos together and it's all kind (laughs) of like all these frequencies being occupied and i think you know uh, in addition to what you were saying at the start about dynamics you can kind of hear it even just in that cue that it's just it's Mm. so full there's like just sound all the time (laughs) it's like
0: my jazzy is just pricked up It, it felt like that melody is occupying the um the the furthest extensions of the chord possible. Yeah. Like they're all into, you know, way past your ninths and 11th and 13th and whatever <laughs> else. It's like you're way into super extension territory where, yeah, it just feels so, you know, randomly, even though it sort of feels like battly and and serious, it's actually got a lot of major in it.
1: Yeah. yeah. And they're little surprises. Yeah, da, yeah, da, yeah. Da, da, da. Mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's not where you think it goes, but... Every chord works, and you're like, oh,
3: oh, mm. it's gone there. <laughs> oh.
0: Super weird, but yeah. it's so sort of refreshing um, that he's done that with that theme. Yeah.
1: Yep. Now, the Vikings get their own theme, which isn't really Scottish sounding, but we heard a little bit of it earlier before, which is this melody. so on so forth and this you know gets its own little repetitions and i think this is really an obvious one for the clansmen as a whole like the this kind of going to war kind of vibe um, and we hear it quite early on when they're in the war room discussing what to do about the dragons bit of hiccups theme there
2: orchestration the the male mm, and the brass and the snare drum that to me is 90s Hans Zimmer like, yeah I was about to say that's, that's a
0: Hans rock Zimmer moment and, this one uh, Crimson it's Tide feeling like whatever. gladiator yeah, yeah like yeah, is yeah. and yeah, um, yeah no t- totally yeah it's and great. even just the outside of the, the way it's it's presented, which is, yeah, very Hans Zimmer. Like it, you know, has that Conan the Barbarian vibe just mm. simply because of the way the melody is constructed. Mm. It feels like you could play it in a, in a Conan style. So it does feel like here are the clansmen, the here are the, the warriors, the barbarians, yeah. the, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah. My favourite performance of this theme is when the ships all set sail, and then we were, you know, talking about that hoo ha choir before it really gets another feature, as do the bagpipes. Um, but it's preceded by quite a, a sad performance of the Viking theme. We're basically, um, what's the father's name again? Gerard Butler. Uh, um, yeah, Charles <laughs> uh, He's collection. like, you know, you're not a Viking. Uh, stoic. Yeah. Stoic, yeah. <laughs> what a name! Of course, it's stoic. Describes his character. Yes. Um, yeah. He basically says, "You're not a Viking," and then the you know leaves hiccup, and then the the Vikings all sail off. But check out at the end of it, we get the most incredible performance of that sort of secondary friendship theme. That's the melody there, but it's such in a different presentation with choir and new harmonies. It's really it has a sort of inevitable tragicness to it as he watches all the ships sail away to you know kill kill all the dragons of his beloved friend so it's a really wonderful moment
0: Isn't that so interesting that that friendship theme, every other time we've heard it, that is the moment when things take flight and it's like really happy and joyous and it's like, ah, oh, it's the big release. Yeah. By changing the chords, now it's not that at all. It actually puts sort of the brakes on everything. And yeah. now, it, like you said, it sort of feels like really quite sad or you know I don't know the words for it but it's yeah just fascinating this is mm. what this is what I love about John Powell I said at the top of the show that has this ability to sort of take great melodies and just do unbelievable things with them throughout mm. the film and and there's sort of that's such a great example but that start yeah is <laughs> so, so much fun that start and I was thinking you know
2: that sound that we were talking about before where we were kind of saying it's Hans Zimmery with the with the um the sad brass and the um, Ming mm, uh, mm, 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 choir. <laughs> it's you know you know what it is. It's the sound of tough guys who are sad. <laughs> like that's that's what it is. It's guys who they can be violent. They can really mess you up, but they're gonna be sad about it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that, I think that's 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 that sound across many movies. Yeah. yeah. I
0: mean, I was yeah. it's only probably because of the the choir. Um, and the men's choir going, yeah. you know, I was, all I could think about was, um, you know, Skyrim, like Elder yeah, Scrolls, true, s- yeah. true. you know, with the Dragonborn um, mm. theme. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's sort of that, that male, maleness, like it, like you said, the, uh, yeah, I mean, maleness is the, is the wrong word, but it's that, yeah, tough oh, yeah. guys. Yeah. 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 yeah, tough guys, <laughs>
1: right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Now, interestingly, I have a feeling that the most performed, most oft-performed theme in the entire film is actually the the next one we're about to discuss, which is actually... The Force uh, theme. (laughs) 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 Which is actually the theme for the dragons themselves, yes. the, like as in the collective dragons get a melody. And it is everywhere, especially in the later half of the film, um, in lots of different permutations. Um, and this theme really undergoes metric or stretching permutations. It really gets drawn out the, the, the further we go into the film. So th- here's the opening presentation during that opening battle in the village of Burke.
0: It never comes to rest that melody, does it? It's like it's it's always holding somewhere that doesn't feel finished.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's Mm. sort of never-ending. I mean, maybe it's like the dragons, there's just oodles of them. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, totally. They keep coming. And the melody is, yeah, it's really long in its sort of full presentation. And even still, there's no like real definite end to it. Mm. Um, And often you just get the opening bits of it. often that's the only bit that you need to kind of latch on to. Um, but the other elements. Tritone here. Mm. So, you know, there's some, there's some unique leaps and it's not overly hummable yeah. um, compared to some of the other ones. But
2: that first little bit, dun, 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 that, dun, dun, that drop down a semitone. Uh, I mean, you could... You could I think put the imperial march chords under that couldn't you
0: That Here we go <laughs>
3: Right <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> totally.
1: Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's the there's some the DNA, dragon imperial. Yeah, march. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, no, there is there is that
2: that kind of you know. I I mean I, that's what I've always thought is the the most terrifying feature of the imperial march is that sudden kind of shift, that gear change to that second chord, yeah. um, which harmonically is a bit unusual and weird um we talked about this in the the star wars the empire strikes back episode um but yeah we must
0: always talk about it in every episode that's right that's part of our our contract (laughs) um
2: but yeah like you know it it, there's there's just it's it's good bad guy
0: music
1: not to the bad guys i
2: mean the dragons are bad guys but at least when this is playing but at the start they are Yeah, Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah there is quite strangely a singular kind of like triumphant version of the dragons theme uh, I'm not sure why it plays because it's, maybe it's, it's when the Vikings sort of catch a few of them at the start and they've got a little hero moment but you hear the dragons theme done in a major key it's a bit weird A fantastic moment, yeah. isn't
0: it? <laughs> so, when does that play in the film?
1: Um, just towards the end of that opening little passage, as, oh, as right. the okay. Vikings are sort of getting their upper hand, and yeah, that yeah. last lingering chord is when we kind of pan down to Hiccup, and he's got that massive uh, um, slingshot, ballista, s- spear, ballista thing, yeah, mm. that he ends up firing and catching a Night Fury. Mm. Um, but, look, there's a great performance of this when Hiccup, I mentioned before, goes through the dragon book and, um, you know, he gets to Toothless's page and we hear that little melody. But before we get to that dulcimer, we actually get a performance of the dragon's theme as he kind of furls through the pages and he, you know, starts recounting all the different names of the different dragons as he, as he finds them. much slower here
0: I've just realized that's the beauty of this melody is that because it does in its you know original form it, I mean, meander is not the right word. It, because it's always got new notes that it's landing on and it's always never resolving, it means that when you do start stretching it out, you can pause on all of these interesting notes mm-hmm. and harmonically do whatever you want with it. <laughs> so it's like totally. one of the most flexible... Yeah. sort of themes to to really, you know, go to town with whatever you want, want to do, really. Mm. And, and it cool.
1: almost takes on a different persona because it's not as easily identifiable as that original melody because it has been so stretched. Mm. Mm. Um, and look, I think the best example is the next one I'm about to play when they fly into the actual dragon's den and discover all these crazy dragons there. It's even more drawn out and it's, again... Quite triumphant, but still still in that minor key mode. But just have a listen how long he lingers on all these chords.
0: And if um, the toothless theme was when we had those sort of Arabian Eastern uh, sounds, you know, the idea of the other, this is the biggest, most overt. Idea of you know Lawrence of Arabia, the you know (laughs) we're we're in sort of uncharted territories here, and and of course this is the moment when they, like you said, when they fly into that mountain and there's the you know what is going to happen here? What's the beast Mm. that lives here? It's glorious. And you get that big Arabian, yeah. Yeah, It's
1: the most foreign locale that they've discovered so far.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It's really glorious, and and that rhythm as well that is is pretty light, but underneath I think it's like a snare or something that. I mean, that is all over solo. Um, in particular, yeah. that kind of sound, but mm. it and it really it
1: keeps it moving because yeah. the chords are just big, big whole notes yeah. every bar. Uh, but that yeah, yeah. It really keeps the momentum and the intensity and the the drama there. It's great. Yeah, yeah. So th- that's a really great theme. And next time you watch the film, really pay attention to that one because it sneaks in under the radar, but it's uh, it's all over the place, mm. especially in that in that sort of final battle.
0: Now we're going to move on to Nick. My maybe i don't know if i'm i'm willing to say this but i'm going to say it anyway and double down might be my favorite theme of the Oh, uh, you old film. softy.
1: Andrew, Andrew, <laughs> Andrew's romantic. You know,
0: <laughs> you know this is also my, I've I, because like I said, this is the first time I've actually sat down um, to watch a film with my daughter who, when it's sort of like something for, well, I, I'm saying work. I, this never feels like work, of course, but you know what I mean? Like where I'm, I'm not just sitting down watching something that she wants to watch. This is something that dad is watching and we're going to talk about it. And um, she now knows about this next melody and every time it comes up, she, she's got good ears. Every time it comes up, she sits there and, and, and shouts out, hey, it's, uh, it's this theme. And of course, Nick, that theme is. He's
1: Astrid's theme. And it's really interesting you say that because it doesn't appear very often. No, only, no, no. It's only it's a few times. Three, mm. three, maybe four times mm. in, in the whole film. Um, but I think because it is so wonderful and the moments that it appears um, are such musical moments. Like there's almost no dialogue. You know, that great sequence where they go for a flight Um, where, you know, Hiccup brings Astrid along to fly on Toothless. It's pretty much wordless, and it's just her moment of discovery, discovering what he's discovering. So it has a real pivotal emotional moment that is really given over to the music. So let's have a listen to this romantic flight featuring Astrid.
0: so Mm -hmm. lovely
1: it is it's just full of charm wonder magic yeah it's It's in three
0: again it's another waltz so it's that idea of that it is in three isn't it weightless idea um and of course it starts off with that that sort of very folky fiddle where um they put all those wonderful um ornaments Um, uh, yeah yeah Yeah, little little twiddling around on the melody (laughs) So folky and so singable, like it's even though the the range of this particular melody is quite huge, like it really goes down quite low Mm -hmm. and then really heads right up into the you know the stratosphere. But you sort of feel like you could totally sing it, Mm. (laughs) even Mm. though this would actually be very difficult to sing. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's it's
2: it's very. I mean, I also think it's quite old-fashionedly naive as well. Like it, I, I think it's it's really kind of just the unusual combination of firstly an animation and then secondly John Powell where you get this kind of thing. But, I mean, you would have got maybe something that sounded a bit like this maybe as late as the 60s, but even the 70s almost, I think, you know, it's just, it's so pure, which you don't (laughs) hear in so much of film music.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, we mentioned earlier how, there's that time Toothless's theme was in three. I think this is the first time it happens, which makes perfect sense because Astrid is now discovering that Toothless is not this scary dragon. Um, he he's a friendly one, and so we get his theme, Toothless's theme, uh, incorporated into Astrid's sort of musical style, um, and it makes perfect sense.
0: See, I can imagine this being sung at a rugby union yeah. world cup, it's, where the yep. the Scottish are sort of in full voice <laughs> yeah. over the top of uh, I don't know it's something No, it's, it. it's it's like
2: it's like mm. Jerusalem. Uh, that's yeah, what I was sure. thinking of, yeah, yeah, especially yeah, yeah, yeah. in that. Oh, I'll please can
1: I write Words. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I'll oh, release that's a bonus Scottish. Easter egg yeah. on YouTube, my YouTube channel. <laughs> uh,
3: well, anyway, look, I think yeah. it's
1: uh, you know I've I've just done a quick comparison to a couple of other John Powell female love interest themes, which are also in three from other films. But uh, I thought it'd be interesting to contrast uh, how they're similar and how how they're different. This is called Rachel's theme from the film Paycheck, which is Mm. not a similar (laughs) film to How to Train Your Dragon, (laughs) but really feel the the sort of waltz-like pulse of it.
0: Yeah, beautiful.
1: And then this is from, I've got a guilty pleasure film of mine, Evolution, (laughs) starring uh, Mulder from The X Files. Um, This one, I think, has some similarities in its sort of romanticism. But it's amazing how you lose you lose the sort of ethnic woodwinds and you know cult sort of cultural flavings and it really it doesn't become as interesting does it <laughs> and even when um, Astrid's theme is done in that kind of romantic string laden style which I just played from Evolution he still chooses an interesting instrument and here he's used the harmonium. Um, do you guys know what a yeah? It's like an Indian harmonium?
2: organ, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it's sort of like. Imagine those um, melodicas that you play from the toy shop on their side, mm. but that was built into like an actual proper, <laughs> proper instrument <yeah>. played with. <laughs> hey, I've got, got know, a melodica right It's like an here organ or mixed with oh, a <laughs> um, <laughs> melodica sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: is the melody taken up by recorder there, Nick? Is it just straight up recorder?
1: Yeah, it's definitely not a stock flute. Yeah, hmm. yeah. But really it's... Um, the hollowness of it. Mm. I
0: wonder whether the that harmonium is used because it actually does give a vibe of uh, bagpipes mm. without the harshness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, you know, the... the the color of a bagpipe is there in terms of that the sort readiness. of readiness, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but it's not the,
3: well. The, the
2: difference is that the the sort of breathiness is maintained with a bagpipe. You're constantly squeezing the um, the, the bladder, the bladder, yeah. And so <laughs> the drone is always maintained at the same velocity um, level, right? Yeah. Whereas with a harmonium and a melodica, you can kind of breathe through the notes, which you can. Hear, yeah, yeah, I think yeah.
0: But I I think that instrument choice works just because it is sort of sitting in that sound world of, of, um, you know, uh, Scottish Irish folk music. For sure. Even though it's not from that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's cool. And this theme
1: gets, yeah, this theme gets such a great. Introduction, doesn't it? In the very opening of the film, (laughs) where we're kind of in the midst of this battle, we've got that 12 8 rhythm, and then it just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, this almost like explosion. What's an explosion? Well, it is an explosion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's walking (laughs) away.
0: She's doing the classic uh, no look behind walk (laughs) as as it explodes behind her.
1: And her theme plays in all its glory. Mm. Um, And to be honest, he did exactly the same thing. In evolution, where there's this sort of action bit with 12/8 rhythms, and then you get the romantic melody in in 3/4 time in the string. So I'll, I'll play them back to back, and it's it's interesting how his his style is is really there from some of the earlier films. Evolution?
0: I mean the how the how to train your dragon version is so tongue in cheek though, mm. you know it's slow motion. You know yeah. she's mm. sort of whipping her hair back yeah. in a slow motion way, and then this overtly romantic and glorious sort it's, of. It's you know. much more heightened. isn't Yeah, there? yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, evolution's also a comedy, but
2: mm. you know I, I, yeah. I just listening especially to that first uh, how to train your dragon version which i must have heard a hundred times i finally picked it you know what it reminds me of especially the second part of the melody the da 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 um harry potter and the goblet of fire patrick doyle's i think it's harry Mm -hmm. in winter um that kind of long Uh. yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That, and especially the, the the kind of strings straining to get that emotion out. Yeah, yeah and
0: then
1: the contour goes the same way, definitely, yeah. definitely, and then of mm. falls at the
2: end. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Well, of
0: course, that's my my favorite melody from that film. Oh, well, well, there so you gorgeous. go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> know the just, way it's to just, Andrew's heart. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this. Yeah. Just this sound world. Is all I need. <laughs> Um, now, look, that's
1: that's really it as far as... That's really it. I mean, God, we've covered so much, haven't yeah. we? We've
0: only been going for almost two hours, Nick, so <laughs> okay, um, well, plenty look, more to come. Yeah, Look,
1: yeah, we could easily leave it there. There are just a couple of other little Easter eggs I think we just will want to highlight before we finish off. And one is... I don't know what to call it. It just feels like this sort of dark, heroic battle theme that we hear a couple of times at the start. Um, Maybe it's a sort of close cousin to the Scottish kind of, you know, this is Burke kind of melody. Um, But it really is a fun, bombastic bit bit of action music that Powell uses a couple of times in the film. Wouldn't it be great for like a? Um, I was going to say a cheerleader, not a cheerleader routine, like one of those <laughs> dance off kind of. Um, oh god, I'm I'm digging a hole here. I just I, I want to dance. I'm
0: to not going to save you. you, want you. I want to I want to put my hand out there, but I I can't.
1: You know, watch me fail. <laughs> I want I want to see like mass dancing to some of these like, like river doo-doo. dance or something. Yeah, maybe river <laughs> dance. Maybe that's a bit more appropriate. Um, but something with a bit of flair, uh-huh. you know, a bit a bit sort of. Um, bit of like yeah. what
0: russian um, maybe yeah
1: maybe <laughs> russian russian male cheerleading
2: <laughs> if maybe maybe, maybe, maybe we're just still stuck on goblet of fire and you want to see the um what what are they called the uh, dermstrang you just oh, want to yeah, see yeah. yeah you know what it is
1: that's exactly what it is it's um victor crumb yeah. in a kilt wow. dancing to this wow. <laughs> um, let's hear a different version of it here we go
0: There's so much choir in this, isn't there? Mm, but yeah. always choir used as for texture, not for like singing um, like melodies per se or mm. or so on. It's it's more color, but it choirs mm. everywhere. Mm. I mean, yeah. w- when when you performed the premiere of this, did you have choirs? No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no we didn't. It was all off. done
1: on a keyboard. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um God, it makes which a difference. would have been amazing yeah. if, if we had it. Yeah. I, I think the problem is though is a lot of the the male stuff is so low. Oh, sure. Um, that, to unless you're kind of recording it in an isolated environment, it's actually quite difficult to get any kind of clarity on that really
0: low
3: ooh, mm, stuff. Yeah.
0: It's the same problem you with know? doing Lord of the Rings live. It's need yeah. you actually, most choirs, even if you've got a 120 piece choir, you know, that really only means you probably got, you know, 40, 50 men. And yeah. men who can sing low, maybe you've got 20 or 30 max. Um, when in actual fact you need about 80.
1: (laughs) And don't forget, in Lord of the Rings, half of them were rugby players. Yeah, Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, well, exactly, in the original recording. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, some bits.
2: Well, I mean, I think it does also reinforce that for as much as we've kind of talked a lot about John Powell's sound being harking back to a kind of orchestral tradition, I mean, he still is very much writing within a kind of, well, for a modern... Um, not virtual instrument, but digital recording studio. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah and, yeah. and that sound is—is—I is, mean, it's probably again the Hans Zimmer influence, at least, at least in part. Yeah. Um, mm. But really, you know, I imagine it would be a nightmare to balance live all that percussion.
1: And uh, look, this—this this was the question he asked me: Was you know how did it go live? Because when he saw it at the premiere in Switzerland or something, mm. um, he felt that. It's sort of like oh shit yeah this opening is really like a lot of the time I was just destroying the dialogue. Mm. You can't just sort of fade down a live orchestra <laughs> yeah. for you know a line of dialogue here and there mm. like you can in a mixing you know a mixing room. Mm. But you know it's true these things aren't written primarily to be performed live. It's more sort of an after the fact thing. Well you know?
2: yeah you know and and like I would say I mean I've been um, I've been teaching a subject uh, this semester about the history of well i mean about film music generally but um part of it is obviously a history thing and so i've been looking into the history a lot more than i normally do which is still i suppose a bit but uh, um but i mean you know like uh, the whole history of of film music is technologically enabled. I mean, the fact that, you know, I mean, why do you get the jazz singer in 1927, but you don't really get the first fully fleshed out film score until King Kong with 1933? Well, it's because the technology wasn't there to record the music separately from the dialogue and the special effects. yeah. so it took that time to develop. And so, you know, it's, yeah, film film music is technology.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Let's not forget most film music, I mean, there's so many different techniques to do it and a lot of it is done in sections you know you'll just do a, a pass of just the brass a pass of just the winds i know on some zimmer scores they'll they'll come in on separate days you'll have a day yeah. of strings and the next day the brass will come in and play over the top mm. you know um, which presents its own challenges of tuning and rhythm and whatnot um, but you know th- that's the way it's done there's such pros at it mm. um it's uh yeah it's a different medium mm. Um, finally, I just want to look at this one little bit of music before we finish, which is one of my favourite moments in the score and it just happens in two cues, and then we're done for it. And it's the moment where Hiccup builds the tail, this new kind of fake artificial rig tail that he glues or, or straps on to Toothless. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of reminds me of... Um, do you guys remember the film Chicken Run? Yeah. <laughs> yes. How there was that great moment where they build the crate, sort of uh-huh. you know, two-thirds of the way through the film. And it's like this is this is the bit of the film that enables the next bit to take off. And so it's used in a very singular way, almost like like the asteroid field in The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> it's just for this one little scene. And I love films that often have a set piece, whether it's an action set piece yeah, or just yeah. a musical set piece. This is like this film's equivalent. So I'll play you the, um, the melody that I'm talking about, but it's, it's quite wonderful.
0: Comes that hammered dulcimer again? Mm. Yeah. Always sort of the sneaks in. <laughs> yeah.
1: It really has a nice shape. Yeah. But look, it's it's best use I think comes in the next cue, which is so so much fun, and it's this piece called "See You Tomorrow," and it's uh, this sort of montage cue of lots of stuff happening, and um, it's got the coolest kind of. So like jig style music it's really fun again lots of snare drums lots of flute playing piccolo um, and you'll feel this this uh, new tail motif come in halfway through and it really just gloriously soars over the top
2: so much fun that is isn't it
1: so much fun yeah it just has propulsion it's yeah again another one of these just yeah set piece moments where the music is just really allowed allowed to shine and you can feel feel him having so much fun with it yeah Um, that string playing it's almost like a I think they call it a hornpipe or something yeah that's right uh, uh, just feels like a really fun a fun moment um, and equally like, like in Chicken Run the the moment where they build this crate has just again a singular melody that comes out of nowhere and is just an orchestra having fun mm. Ha. yeah fun so much fun <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just i I really love I mean even in that that first well the the um the dragon example at the start after all of the um you know all of the the jigging and everything happens I mean we hear two or three or four even of the the melodies that we've all been the themes that we've been you know checking out yeah. throughout this whole episode mm. just all getting smashed in together yeah. and it just totally works all of it like. And then, you know, then it goes sailing into this new melody and then back out again and oh, it's just so effortless. Mm, like, mm-hmm. I, I think this is the reason why this this score just really resonates. There's there's not a dud melody in no. the entire thing. Every melody has its moment to shine. Um, it's, it's put into interesting, you know, uh, context, mm. um, interesting new harmonies, yep. interesting instrumentation, which is sort of not always a thing in a lot of scores um i mean it's yeah everything you want in a film score is in this score <laughs> and not not just not a dud melody
2: but not a dud moment like it's not like no, for sure there's yeah. a cue where we're like oh well you know we probably yeah. just copied and pasted there or you know <laughs> just kind of vamp here or whatever mm. you know like it's always mm. doing something it's always got something to say about what's happening
0: on the screen which is so rare yeah I mean, it's a real, um, I mean, would would you say, is this his best score, do you think? I mean, it's it's early, I mean, it's not that early, it's only 10 years ago, but is this his best score, do you think? Well, I think
1: the Academy thinks so. I think it's his first <laughs> Academy Award
0: nomination. Sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure he's,
1: do he have, have any other Academy Award nominations? Surely. Um, something recently. <coughs> look, it's my favourite score of his, definitely, and I think... In adi- oh, look, I love all his animation things. I think Sh- Shrek, Chicken Run are really right up there, even though they're being co-composed. Yeah. Mm. I really think he's, he's taken this under his wing and delivered something really, really fantastic. Mm. Yeah, it is,
2: it, you're, you're right. It is his only Academy uh, nomination, I think. Rightly so. Yeah, no, absolutely. Good fun. I mean, you know, like I obviously I'm biased towards Solo for obvious Star Wars related reasons, but you know, I think there's no argument that a lot of the great stuff, genuinely great stuff about Solo, you can hear really coming together in a very original way i think in how to train your dragon rather than just working within an established universe and doing an amazing job as he did in the solo i yeah it's look it's hard to argue that this isn't his best score
0: yeah i mean i i love solo as well Mm. um i really do and i Think that you know in a in a future where we don't have John, Will- oh, <laughs> I almost couldn't get through it. Yeah. Um, you know, I I would be very happy if John Powell was sort of taking over the mantle on some yeah. of the the Star Wars films Agreed. in the future. But I think the reason I do I don't think Solo is successful because of the John Williams melody. Mm. I just think he does such an amazing job of working within that world. Mm. But because he is working within the world, because he was given one of the key melodies. I have to give it to How to Train Your Dragon because it is a hundred percent power yeah. from start to finish. And it's like you said, there isn't there isn't really a moment in the entire film that I'm like, eh, let's just move on to the the more exciting cue. Yeah. Um, or, you know, the more beautifully constructed. It's really it's a, it's a real masterclass this one. Yeah. I think. And um, I mean look, I I gotta say as well, just while we're running through his
2: good work, I, I don't think we'll I'm not sure we'll ever get to a born Score as a solo episode. <laughs> who, who knows? Who knows? We're going along enough. Never say like never. Um, but I mean, look, I was I was a genuine fan of his Jason Bourne music, and I think you know it's very minimal, but it played a big role in establishing the action music formula of the two thousands as being uh, you know not quite as kind of um, extra. As the kids say, um, as music <laughs> as music had been uh, action You've music. Never had felt been, older to me. Yeah, at this sorry. exact moment in time. <laughs> yeah, uh, <clears throat> but you know, like I mean, that first that first score is basically just like strings and electronic percussion, and it like it's just so effective. Um, and there's not yep. a lot to it, so I mean, clearly, I think it shows that he he had something early on.
0: Yeah. Mm. Well guys, I actually think that brings us to the end of our analysis of how to train your dragon. We hope that you enjoyed yourself over at home or wherever you're listening to us. Um, and if you did enjoy things, go ahead and press subscribe if you haven't already. And um, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or any of the platforms that you're catching out of the score. And of course, if you have any questions about any of the scores that we talk about or you want to request a score. And and thankfully, we've, we've finally got to, like uh, Nick said, one of the... You know, the the biggest requests that we've had over the last couple of years, so it's great to get to it. But if you want to uh, request a score or make a comment, head over to Twitter at Art of the Score, Instagram as well, Facebook, all Art of the Score, um, and on our uh, email, at contact at artofthescore.com.au. Either of those, um, we'd we'd love to hear from you. So, until next time, I'm Andrew Pogson, and that's Dan Golding. It's a pleasure to be back. <laughs> and he's Nicholas Buck. Ooh. Huck! We're back! (laughs) This was Art of the Score.